Hey everybody, welcome back to The Hustle, it's John Lamoureux. This week's guest is a dream guest of mine. He is Robert Tepper, the legend behind this classic, No Easy Way Out, from Rocky IV. This to me is probably the second best soundtrack song of the entire decade, after Simple Minds, Don't You Forget About Me, and it makes up what I think is probably the greatest movie montage in film history. We all know it, we all love it, from Rocky IV, which, by the way, is probably the most rewatchable movie in history. It's on cable all the time. You can't help yourself but stop there. I wanted to get to know the guy behind the song. So we go pretty deep. How the song came to be, who played on it, what he thought about it. And then we talk about the rest of his career, which unfortunately was pretty short-lived. No Easy Way Out was not a gigantic hit. It was like in the 20s, I believe. He had a few other singles that did okay, nothing major. He put out a second album that wasn't very good, and that was pretty much it. He's done some other music slowly over the last like 20 years or so, but the peak of the career was pretty short-lived, and you'll find out here he probably had some pretty self-destructive tendencies. It might even be a good thing that it didn't last longer. He has been clean for many years. He tells me all about what he's been doing with himself, how he pays his bills today. Fascinating, fascinating character. I love this guy a lot. I always have. I've been dying to talk to him, and he gave me his time. I am so grateful. I hope you love this as much as I do. He called me from his home in L.A. To kick it off, I want to go pretty deep on No Easy Way Out. And then I want to expand from there, if you don't mind, to talk about the rest of your career, because there's a lot of really interesting things on there. But of course, let's get what you're most known for out of the way. So I know that the song was not written for the movie. I believe you were going through a divorce, and it was written about your divorce. No Easy Way Out was, you know, Sly Stallone basically going up to Scotty Brothers, asking him what music they had, right? Mm -hmm. He was pretty much being the music supervisor for his own movie. Although there yeah. was a music supervisor on it whose name escapes me, but if you mentioned it, I would remember. So Sly heard some of my stuff, and he was blown away by it. You know, I mean, he just, mm-hmm. you know, he was very excited about it. I mean, if you look at what he did inside the movie, I mean, what what was so key for me is, you know, I will always be associated with the Rocky franchise. Which gives me this relevance, which I had no idea about truly until I got on Twitter, okay? Because I know you say hustle, that we had to hustle, but i got to tell you, the worst thing I do is hustle, okay? I am not a good self-promoter. Yeah, never have been, probably never will be. So this Rocky thing, you know, I'm starting to see people, you know, 10 people, 50 men. We could go on Twitter at any time during the day, and somebody's talking about you know, usually people with muscles or people who like to run a lot or people who are just obsessed with the movie. So I started to reach out a little bit, you know, and I started yeah. to uh, answer, you know, answer them. And they said, well, how come this can't be Robert Tepper? He doesn't, you know, he doesn't have a celebrity, uh, right. you know, they, they think, you know, this yeah. song is like, you know, yeah. it's amazing. And that really tickled me because I really had no idea because I just, for whatever reason, I, I was brought up with you don't rest on your laurels. You know what I mean? You don't sit there and go, oh, if only, if only, if only. Right, you know what I mean? Right. 
you know, if only CBS, you know, Epic, who, who was distributing the record, had put out something else and did another video. If only. You know, right. who knows? You know, this, this, you know, you don't want to play that game. That, that sure. game gets really, really, really quick, you know. But I was really fortunate. And what's so funny is that, I mean, from sports people to wrestlers to boxers to soccer players, I mean, the list goes on and on. I don't have, like, a shitload of followers, but i got a couple mm-hmm. thousand, you know, and they just love that freaking song, man. They love yeah. that freaking song. It still so, it lives on. It's better now, it if anything, on. than it was back then. So, yeah. to, to me, you know, I mean, I got to go, you know, I met, you know, I, I, I got to ride that thing with the Rocky Four stuff, even though, you know, we were we were on Scotty Brothers, so we weren't top priority. You know, Epic mm-hmm. CBS... And the people who were up there at the time, I think Janet Jackson just came out with a record. Mm. The fabulous Keepers came out with a record, and we were like three and four in those and in those days. So I was hooked to the movie, so that that got me through the first time. But what people didn't realize was I was not even allowed to release my record until the Rocky Four soundtrack had totally played. You know, had played had itself out. out. Okay, yeah. I was going to ask you about that. I didn't know if they were in tandem. Or there was sites or plans to release it off your own album as its own standalone single? No. Or it what was the not release or marketing exact, plan that was? Exactly, okay. John. Exactly. There, there, was, there was no plan. So it was kind of like a dichotomy. It's like, okay, here I am up at the CBS offices getting a platinum record, you know, which is mm-hmm. no small feat in this world. Sure. I'm like going, oh, this is great. But at the same time, inside there's this gnawing feeling like, you know, after the movie, are they going to really work this record? And the answer was no. no. <laughs> you know? And, really? and there was some good points on him. If they had put, if that's what you call loving out at that time, and did a video, they did Don't Walk. those days, you know, I, how much input did you have? I wasn't a video guy. I wasn't a record right. guy. You know, I, I, you know, you didn't pick your singles. Your A&R guy picked your singles, you know. Well, did, did Don't Walk Away, did that chart? I mean, I remember hearing it on the music, yeah. on the radio a little bit. Was it? Did it make the top 40? Yeah, it did. It, it didn't make top 40. I think it went 60. Like, okay. I would say, like, okay. 72 or 66, I think was this. Okay. Good, but but in all reality, it wasn't like, you know, I had this heavy rock tune out. And, you know, I didn't think it was a great choice. But, you know, 
hmm. can I go back and say, you know, tw- you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, of course. Yeah. But you know, I, I just e- even if it wasn't, I I really you know, I remember feeling that feeling of. I mean, they spent the money on the video. We did a video. It was horrible, man. I had to do some acting in it. I oh, I know. I've been watching the video all day. <laughs> and, I, and it was like, I think I was chain-smoking at the time. So it was pretty funny. But there were some pretty girls, and it was probably was fine for me at the time. Sure. You know? But that's the way it went, man. You know, ah, that's exactly okay. that, that, was, okay. that was the way it went down with CBS at that time, you know? I'm kind of surprised, but, honestly. I mean, it's a great song, and... There's a lot of great stuff, especially on that first album. The, less, the second one's a little bit of a mess, and I know you agree with that. We'll talk more about it Absolutely. later. But with what was going on at the time, when you think about the sort of meteor songs that like an Eddie Money was having or John Cafferty or Kenny Loggins or those guys that were sort of you know, in that Stallone camp of, I always call it Stallone rock, honestly, because it's the kind of music, wow. you're, the, you're the exact replica of the kind of music that makes sense in Stallone movies of the 80s. You know, it's like he almost has his own genre. It's so funny because I just did a gig at the Whiskey like two weeks ago, right? Mm. And, and I've been, you know, and, and again, man, I didn't get to do a whole lot of live stuff. And not to evade your question, Ellie Weekly was doing a whole story of the connection of the music yeah. that made the Rocky movies. And it's like people can't separate. You know, they not yeah. that they should have, but you're absolutely 100% correct. It's yeah. like that music is so much a part of the movies that were out then, you know? Right. The uh, log and stuff and all that stuff. And why they I'm picked the single... I'm surprised it wasn't bigger, I guess. I, I was, but, but, you know, at the same time, yes. I mean, there was a part of me that was surprised it wasn't bigger, but then you have to look at it. The way it came out, man, I got to tell you, yeah. all of yeah. it Birds, Janet Jackson, new records, they're yeah. dropping this week, and you're like third or fourth priority. You might right. as well not even release a record. And who knows, man? I mean, you know, there was I was I was in Interview Magazine. I was like being, you know, photographed everywhere. I was going to a lot of events. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I was going to mm-hmm. Dallas. I remember hanging out with Michael Bolton and all these people, and wow. you know, yeah. and and, mm-hmm. and it's you know, it was all and and. Uh, those people today, right? Yeah, uh, Miami Sound Machine, Gloria stuff. Miami Sound they were coming up, and her husband and her was so nice to me and great. Oh, good. And again, John, I got to tell you, it's easy to see how that was the music in hindsight. Probably at that time, yeah. it wasn't as easy to see. So, you know, CBS I don't know. Seems like it to me. There's just a lot of music that's of that ilk that was doing really well, and it seems like. I mean, we should say "No Easy Way Out." I believe hit number twenty-four on the charts. I think it went. I think yeah, something like that. It went. It okay. went top. It went to the top twenty for okay. sure. Okay. You know, it might even have gone higher. I don't know. Uh, I remember sitting in the basement of CBS listening to it, and, and being, I still think hearing your stuff on the radio is still the best thing in the world. Oh, it's the best. But now, okay, so I got to ask you though about writing the actual song because. A lot of the magic of that song is in the production. So I've seen a couple videos on YouTube. There's one of you performing it acoustically. There's another one of you performing it with a little orchestra. I hope this isn't too nerdy. I want to get pretty detailed on the the transition from what you have in your head when you write that song to the standard that that it is now. I mean, 
who got it there? Who decided to kick it off with that one slap of the snare, you know? What I heard was like a song, okay? I was interested in writing something that was uh, I could relate to, okay? okay? And the demo, I used to, they used to call, I mean, now I'm a decent engineer and a decent recorder, but at the time I was not. So mm -hmm. I used to call it like Tin City. So I brought mm -hmm. a pretty rough demo of that song. And Guy Marshall, who was my guitar player, I think part, part of his input was like we should start it with some intro. Joe Ciccarelli, we were in... Uh, Someplace on Lancashire, there was a big, re you know, rehearsal studio back there that Madonna used to use and everybody. And we were back there, and we were working on the arrangements. We would sit there and play this thing. And I think what's cool about this song is the fact that it has a double intro, right? You know, do do that's one. And then it's got like three intros, okay? Yeah, it does. to get away with that, you know? Yeah, So I got to tell you... Part of the magic of that is, I mean, first of all, you know, Joe Ciccarelli goes on to be a Grammy-winning engineer producer. You know, mm -hmm. Guy Marshall, who I came out there with, was my buddy, said we should start with the intro. You know, I remember him saying something like that, you know? Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. then we had Muttering Grumbacher on drums, who was like, we took a lot of takes of that tune. You know what I mean? We did, mm -hmm. we did a, a lot of takes. And I think I sang it, I want to say in Burbank. I think I started okay. in a studio in Burbank, and I just had a great day on that song. I remember, I don't know, I think there were some people who came in to, like, try to check me out, you know? Uh-huh, And uh -huh. I kind of got, got into the performance of it, you know? And uh -huh. my voice was feeling really strong, you know? And I think I just really nailed the vocal on that, you know? And, um, Thank you. And then we had Tommy Thunderbird was singing backgrounds, right? And... It was one of those things, Tim Landers came up with the do 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 I mean, he was right. like the session guy. Alan Pasquale, who later went on to, to Giant with Dan Huff on guitars, you know? Okay. Look, I produce people now, you know? I do a lot uh -huh. of production. I, I, I hear parts for days. One of, okay. one of my greatest strengths, was I hearing parts in those days? Probably not as cool as I am now, you know? Right. I mean, right. you know, I am a young kid from New Jersey flying out to L.A. So we're in the studio, and, and I think we were in uh, we were in Soundcastle in Silver Lake. I think that's where we cut it, right? For some reason, the number 22 is in my head. We may have taken the song 22 times. And wow. Myron Grumbacher, Myron was a monster, man. I, I always say there's two ways to produce, okay? There's two types of producers. One is the guy who sits in a room and comes up with the parts for everybody, and the other guy hires people who come up comes up with the parts right, for everybody. Right. I would say this record was more the infusion of all these great people being in that room at that time. Okay. You know, including Guy Marsh. You yeah. know? I mean, Alan Pasqua, Pasqua was like, you're everything in that thing had was like a hook, you know? It yeah, was like it was. All the parts, all the parts kind of really meld, and, and the way the drums transition, you know, is probably more to do with Joe, because Joe was such a stickler. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Joe, Joe's the kind of producer who walks into the room, first thing he does is fire the drummer, because he wants his drummer. <laughs> <laughs> Poor drummers, yeah. man. They always get squeezed. That's too bad. I mean, one, of the, one of the classic things, and I laugh my ass off, is that, there's there's two stories. One is Damn the Torpedoes with Jimmy Ivey, because all those producers in that time, and, G and Jimmy was right in there, 
Right. He was producing a whole bunch of people, and he, you know, in the in the eighties and stuff like that. Long Justice. Who else? A couple of other people. He was sure. up and coming, but he was there already. And the first thing he does is try to fire Stan Lynch. They were all like oh. that, right? <laughs> I mean, I as you watch the documentary, it's awesome, man. You go. You can almost sing every drum riff on Damn the Torpedoes. It, they're right. so good, right? That's true, you know? yeah. Oh, man. So, you okay. know, so Joe comes and, and he hires Myron, you know? And Myron's no fucking half-ass, man. Myron's a kick-ass uh-huh. drum, rock drummer, you know, from Pat Benatar, man. So I'm yeah. going to meet Neil Giraldo. I mean, I, I was blessed in the fact that I had rock royalty on my first record. I sure. really did. Okay. You know, I know that it's the sound of the time. I know that the production value yes. is all very 80s. However, the song itself, and this is true, I think, Robert, for a lot of your music, is that it's got good bones. The song itself has great bones. So you can't really well, mess it up. You know what I mean? So yeah, I'm just wondering if yeah. when you, you know, when you're working on your little acoustic guitar and you're and you're, you're hearing something in your head and you're frustrated about your divorce and it comes out in this little four-minute ditty, and then you take it to the to Joe Ciccarelli, and it becomes this thing. Are you knocked out? Or are you thinking we nailed uh, this? Is it exactly let, what you wanted? Did you hear it differently? What did you think? Let me tell you something, okay? I was that whole record. You, you remember this is my first major record deal. Right. I'm sitting there listening to these parts. I'm scared out of my mind that I'm not going to be able to equal these tracks. Here uh, I am, I'm in LA, I got I got Dan Huff on guitar, I got, you know, Timmy Landers on bass, I got Alan Pascal on keyboards, Mario Grumbacher on drums, I got, you know, studio mm-hmm. singers coming in and I'm like, Holy shit, am I gonna be able to equal these tracks sound fucking massive, you know? Right. And right. So, you know, look, I'm a, I'm a thirty three I think I'm thirty three at the time, maybe, you know, oh. born in nineteen fifty. Okay. You know, so you know, I'm probably lying about my age at the time. I'm probably saying I'm like 25 or something. I look like 80. Okay. I wondered about that. Okay. 33. That's already uh, okay. up there for a first album. Well, let's see. If I was born in 51, there's no easy way out come out in 86, correct? Yeah, 86. That movie? So, 86. So, I'm 30. What am I? I'm 50. I'm 36 years old already. Oh Is that correct? Gosh. 35? Yeah. 60, or 31 to 86? Yeah, you're 35 yes. years old. Yeah. I'm 36. I'm born in 1950, but, it, okay. it, you know, I had I had the baby face of all time, you know what I mean? Sure. I was like, you know, I had, uh-huh. I looked I looked like I was 20, you know what I mean? Right. And you did. You know, so uh, there was no way I was going to tell the truth that I was married, that I had kids, none of that. So yeah. it looks pretty funny. So, so you say, so I'm sitting there, yes, I am thrilled with what's going on. You know, Joe is tough, man. I remember t- telling talking Myron back into the studio. How many fucking takes are we going to take in this, you know? <laughs> I, I said, come on, Myron, come back in, man. Come on, we could do this, you know? Right. And so, but this was my first experience, man. So I'm soaking all this in, you know, and just mm-hmm. trying to sing my ass off. And, you know, I'm an emotion. I'm still an emotional singer. You could go on YouTube and watch me Definitely. sing No Easy Way Out last Saturday at, at the Whiskey, you know? I still yeah. sing my heart out, you know? I so, love it. I love it. Okay. Know? Did you pick Joe Ciccarelli or did Scotty Brothers? Because he had been an engineer for years and years and years, but he's only you're only like the fourth or fifth actual production job 
that he had, according to what I could find. He had done Oingo Boingo, Pat Benatar, Poco, Stan Ridgeway, and you. Stan came later. I believe he did Oingo Boingo. I don't know if he got production credits on that, but he might have. Okay? Uh, because some of the, because, uh, what's his name? The keyboard player from Oingo Boingo played on some of the stuff. He came in. Oh, you know, really? What's his, yes, yes. Because he had, he had some great electronic stuff on, in this restless world, you know, I think he played on all that. more of an arty kind of guy. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. This was kind of mainstream rock for him. Mm -hmm. But for some reason, I met him at the New Music Festival in New York City. Vicky, Vicky was, well, I almost said Vicky Germaze. That was her name. That was my manager <laughs> at the time. Oh, interesting. Okay. okay. And Vicky kind of met him, and he showed interest in producing me. And we kind of, and he kind of courted us. We met him in New York, and we were kind of hanging out. And I said, are you going to, you know, are you going to do the record? And he said, yeah, I'm going to, you know, I want to. And I started, I forget how it happened, how, you know, I probably mm -hmm. did a bunch of demos in my house, you know, and sure. got him to, to listen to some stuff. Joe, I think part of the appeal, honestly, John, was that he was going to get production credit on this. 
Oh, okay. Yeah. And he was eager to break into that side of the business and saw Absolutely. you as an entry point? Okay. That makes sense. Maybe. Yeah, because if you look at Oingo Boingo, if you look at Frank Zappa and all the stuff that he had done up to then, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? It wasn't yeah. It wasn't like classic kind of rock stuff. I mean, sure. nobody knew that that would be classic kind of rock, but you know what I'm saying. Guitar yeah, based, of course. Yeah. Guitar-based stuff, you know. Yeah. It's, it's just... You know, I'm still friends with Joe. I talk to Joe. Not a lot, oh, but good. every now. Joe's a sweetheart. Man. He's a great guy. So good. Now. Okay, good. So now, but this is this is your first album, but you, you know, because of the Into the Night with Benny Mordona's, you've got a little bit of a pedigree. So how how does this begin? I mean, I don't always honestly find, you know, the beginning of someone's career all that interesting because that's this kind of stuff that gets told over and over, but... How do of you course. go from writing with Benny to then getting your own deal and putting out No Easy Way Out five years later? A ton of frustration and anger, okay? Benny and I were like, I was as green as can be. Benny was my rock and roll high school. Honestly, oh, I had written, I, I, but, but here's my pedigree. My pedigree has always come from writing, okay? okay. I was, I, I could write, you know, and, Mm-hmm. Sometimes not well, sometimes really square, sometimes I wrote a song called This Is Love for Paul Anka. Sunshine, who we had a musical out here. We still write together. So Madeline and I were friends in New York. She had gone to school with Laura Nero, and and we would mm. we'd get together and write a ton of songs. And we, this is love got signed by Cam America. I'm giving you the I'm giving you the long version. Okay. Okay. Uh, okay. So, so so I get this song signed. It we won an ASCAP award. It was it was you know it was a big song for him at the time. Okay. Right. Okay. And. So, but I'm like, man, I want to rock more, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, this is like, it, I mean, that song is like, you know, it had almost jazz changes to it, right? I want to rock okay. more. So, I get, so I'm taking a voice lesson in New York, and Benny comes in with Neil Bogart, and Benny has just oh, gotten wow. signed, right? He's just yeah. gotten signed to Polygram, which he was on Neil's label, but... He was going to, about to do an album for Polygram, okay? His first okay. one, for some reason, and I can't remember the teacher's name at the time, I was taking some voice lessons, you know, trying to make my voice stronger or whatever I was doing. Who the fuck knows? It was an apple, apple off a fucking tree. 
So I'm hanging out with Benny. You know, I'm hanging uh-huh. out with Benny. For some reason, he says, let's get together and write, right? And I go, mm-hmm. okay. So we get together and start down a rock and roll, you know, mm-hmm. road that becomes pretty pretty intense, okay? You know, we we write, I, what's that, uh, on, um, what's the name of that? Uh, never Run, Never Hide. Okay? Yep, never, never Run, run Never Hide. Yep. I think I have three cuts on that. Too Young, uh, oh. it might have been, it might have been Love. And into the night. She's just sixteen years old. Leave her alone, they say. Polygram, the night, the, I don't know, we're up like three days probably on drugs, you know sure. what I mean, and we, we write it to the night, we go up, we play it to Stu Fine in his office, we think it's a fucking huge record, we go down to Florida, we record it with Barry Moran, it becomes a fucking huge, huge song, right? Yeah, and yeah. It, and, and it's like, Benny and I, are, you know, we're, we're touring, I'm, 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 I'm playing the whiskey all of a sudden. Uh, I'm, I'm on stage at the whiskey. Anyway, make a long story short. Benny and I kind of have like you know I'm killing myself here. You know yeah. what I mean? And and every I keep getting pushed to the back because a I'm too good looking and b I'm singing too good. But Benny's an amazing <laughs> singer. Okay, right, Benny right. Benny is fucking bomb of a singer. I yeah. mean, you know, I mean he is the voice. Okay, but he's just so totally. destructive. A day is long. Okay, oh, but okay, you know. But I'm not a bad singer either. I, you know, and Barry keeps going, you're next, you're next. Barry Moran's who produced Sticks and all stuff. And I hang in there for this whole record, man. I listen to every note being next. I'm going to school on all this shit. Sandy Gennaro's playing drums, you know, from Black, from Black mm. Jack, who later turns out. Anyway, I finally, you know, I slip from Benny and I start writing my own shit, right? And I'm sitting there. And I am literally have like a thing where I just turn on the machine and and start singing it to a TM, right? And oh, play. okay. Uh-huh. And that's how I wrote. And that's how I wrote. If that's what you call loving. Why? Is there nothing? 
you know, what else? Oh my God! It was like the whole record just kind of came out, you know? Wow! Wow! And, okay. You know, and and I'm I'm writing and writing, and I go, you know what? I'm banging around New York, and I have a manager, and I play for. Uh, Oh, God, I'm playing the Ritz. I'm playing I'm playing uh, some of the clubs there, you know, uh, tracks. I'm playing okay. a track on 72nd Street. And, uh, you know, uh, what's his name from Geffen Records? You know, the guy with the beard is coming to see me. And, oh, yeah. You know, um, go sing for Richie Weiss. I go, I, I cut out the backs of, of, I'm living in New York. I sell a Rhodes piano. I, I mm. cut out box tops from... That gets you cheap fares, and mm-hmm. me and Guy Guy Marshall rent the place in in in, in Silver Lake, and we're hitting up every record company. I am jumping on people's desks. I'm grabbing shit, singing. Mm-hmm. Some people are throwing me out. Carter, what's his name? Carter from from Capital. He said, "Get the fuck out of here." Uh, but Richie Weiss loves it, and I'm like, I'm wow. doing like a, a I'm playing the tracks. I got a couple of Oh, uh, Capitol in, in New York did a couple of tracks for me, and I'm singing. You know, I'm like, while the track's being played in the room, I'm entertaining on the desk, singing, kicking, showing wow. these people. I got, and that's how I got signed by Scotty Brothers. And that's, that's amazing. How I yeah. Okay. Now, i got to ask, and you've probably been asked this before, did you actually have an affair with a 16-year-old girl that inspired it? No, no. No, no, no! You're not getting me on. I mean, I've had affairs with 16 year old girls, but not recently at 66. But it was she was a, she was a dog walker, and she was really hot. She wore cut up she wore cut off shorts all the time, and she went downstairs and I said, "Holy shit!" And Betty goes, "Leave her alone." Mm-hmm. She's, you know, really young, and that's she's just 16 years old. Leave her alone, they say, and that oh, that baby. was the concept of it. That, that was basic. it. Okay. Cool. That deep. That deep. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And you were nominated for a Grammy for that. No, I don't never nominated for a Grammy. That's a lie. I, I don't read that, that somewhere. In fact I thought I read I, that a couple places. I've also read that my name is Robert uh I have a Spanish name that they think I'm from Argentina. That's also <laughs> not true. <laughs> okay. All right, well good to know. Okay. Now okay, I gotta ask you a, a Sort of a personal question. Sure. You mentioned at the time you're married, you have kids. Uh, right. You also just mentioned that you're living the rock star life and you're shacking, not you're. I, I wasn't going to say shacking up, but you're living with your buddies, writing songs. You're probably doing a lot of drugs. What exactly. is happening? Okay, what's happening? How is your wife, whoever she is, how is she handling all of this? Not very well. That was okay. not something I was very proud of. I mean, when you look back on it, I mean, she really had a hard time with it. Just let's put it this way. You know, I was living a rock star life. I was doing a ton of drugs and pretty much ignoring my family, which to this day I'm not very proud of, you know. Yeah. So, you know, I was okay. living in Beverly Hills, going out, recording my record, you know, making videos, doing all that stuff, living out here. I didn't see my children for a long time. You know, oh, at least like yeah. like you know, four to six months, something like that, and my you know, yeah, okay, but, you Typical, know, what it, we would think, okay, yeah, um, you know, I was in, I was an immature idiot, you know. So. Well, but who wouldn't be if they were being handed a rock star life in the eighties? It would be tempting for everybody. In fact, I, um, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Okay. 
Well, I was going to say that, you know, when I listened to the second album, Modern Madness, that to me sounds like what I imagine doing drugs in the 80s in the rock uh, industry sound feels like. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it, when yes. I listen to it, it sounds like a guy who is who is struggling Screaming. hardcore. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. I, so was, I, was I think I read somewhere that you were having a really hard time. Was it the drugs? Was it more than that? What all is going into the second album? Yeah, the second record was a, was somewhat of a mess, you know. Um, not somewhat. It was a lot of a mess. I don't think the songs were strong, you know. Uh, by this time, you know, it would... It, I was I was pretty fucked up, you know, and uh, you could hear it on that record. I mean, it's you know, Fighting Feet is okay, you know, we would perform that. The Unforgiven is okay. This just sounds like I'm screaming, but you know, but when you dream of love and stuff like that, there was some, you know, I don't know what, I I don't love the record, but I mean, there's some songs I like, you know, I, um, like I said, I, I performed, I, I performed Fighting For You last week. So I, I tend to look at it like, you know what, uh, you have to honor what's going on at the time and what's going on at the time is disintegration of myself, you know? Yeah. And after I don't I never you know I mean that second record was a mess, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Wasn't into it. Uh, somebody else mixed it. You know, the songs weren't as good. The production was okay. You know what I mean? Right. It was Yeah. 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 I uh I mean it's not bad. To me you can do no wrong, Lee, but I uh I do sense I do when I hear it I think it sounds like a guy who's probably not doing very well. The songs are, there's the bones, like I said earlier, are not quite as solid or strong as they were on the first album. But not then, even close. So, yeah, I got We got to say one thing though. I believe Tori Amos, before she was Tori yeah. Amos, sings actually on that, right? I think that I can hear her on "Down in the Belly of Life."
And, I mean, yeah, the, the no rest for the wounded heart, which is, like, impossible to find, by the way. Um, oh, really? Up, well, yeah. I mean, I think it's I, – I had to download it because I couldn't find it I'm anywhere. Sorry. Well, yeah, I, bet, uh, I, I think you can buy maybe an import copy if you spend a lot of money on it or whatever. I just didn't hear it. I didn't even know if it was good or not, you know? It's not a bad record. There's some good No, stuff. I think There's it's great. It's yeah, definitely it's a return to form. Yeah, I, I think you're, there's stronger songs. You're, you, it sounds like you're cleaner maybe than you were before. Um, Absolutely. Good, okay. But then it only comes out in, like, Japan or something. So what are you doing? After, after Modern Madness, where does that leave you? Okay, Modern Madness leaves me in Arizona and pretty much done. You know what I mean? And, uh yeah. And and now I'm you know I'm, one day I'm, I'm uh, my wife my wife at the time leaves town and we go to his therapist and he recommends that I go to a meeting. <laughs> All right. Oh. And I go, what kind of meeting? He goes an Allen on me, so I wanted to have an Allen on meeting and wind up at an AA meeting, and that's oh, when boy. I got sober. I I got sober in Arizona, okay. which was the smartest, which is the best thing I ever did. Good. So, okay. You know. So now um, it took a while, but I'm I'm in Arizona. I'm not there that long, maybe three years, you know. Okay. Mm -hmm. And we go back east. My second marriage is falling apart. Um. So, what that whole record is, and I guess this is this is the unfun part. It's like I'm asked to be the lead singer by this investor who Mm -hmm. wants to re-release the band. Who recorded Inagana De Vida, right? Iron Butterfly. <laughs> Iron Butterfly, right? Okay. And this, is at, and this is at a time when I think a lot of the older groups were getting new singers mm-hmm. and they were kind of reinventing themselves a little bit. Sure. I think Farner uh-huh. might have done it, yep. you know, with Joe Lynn. I think uh, Bad Company did it, yep. uh, you know, because he wasn't singing with them anymore. So yep. I said, so I'm like unhappy in my marriage. I said, great, man. I will do this. He's going to pay me a weekly salary. Meanwhile, this guy turns out to be one of the biggest hustlers ever, okay? Oh, there are no. different people coming into rehearsals all the time, right? I got, yeah. a, I got, yeah. a, guitar, I got a bass player who's drinking like a fish. I got a guitar player who's, who's skin-popping in the bathroom, right? Oh, no. And shooting yeah. heroin. And, but I'm trying to put this record together because Fuck! I want to sing. You know, I want to write. Yeah. So, sure. I thought, so you know, I thought there's some good writing on that record. I really did. You know, and so, uh, so an Iron really, Butterfly album came out with you singing on it. No, we did record it in Agata de Vida. So what happens is, I'm in this project. Project. I'm out in L.A. again. I got back somehow. Uh-huh. Left my wife. She's like sells all my stuff. We get divorced. You know, we're separated. I'm out in L.A. now. I'm going to meetings, I'm sober, I'm working on this project here, I'm living like with, with the hookers on Sepulveda, you know what I mean? And I'm like, yeah. you know, there, I, 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 I hear a knock at the door, Peter Falk is, is, is showing, what was that show he had? Uh, Columbo? Uh, Columbo, that right yeah. being, you know, I'm going, NFL football on the 10.30, what the fuck is this, you know? So, uh, so, <laughs> So I'm working on this record. This guy Steve disappears because 
he is such a hustler. So I got this record. I'm sitting there, mm-hmm. and MTEM or whatever European mm-hmm. gives me, like, some money for it, and I release it as a Robert Tepper record. Because it basically is. It doesn't sound like Tiny Butterfly. It sounds oh. like, you know. So No you Rest know? for the Wounded Heart was meant to be that Iron Butterfly album? Absolutely. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Oh, we got it on the wrong door. Yes. And all those guys, and actually, those they were some great. Kenny Suarez, who I still talk to. Kenny Kenny played drums on that. Uh, okay. Derek Hillen, who, who plays with Rick Springfield, is mm-hmm. the keyboard player on that. And we're out in the valley there, and, you know... I cool. said John Fogarty is doing that, you know, major, you know, center field. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. And we're starting to make this record, and the whole thing kind of blows up, and I'm going, holy fuck, man, I worked really hard on this. Yeah. I'm staying so through, through all this, and things are still falling apart, so I just released the record. You know, the cover you, The cover looks like I shot it, I shot it in somebody's trunk. It's a horrible picture. <laughs> It came without a warning Heartaches knocking at your door And this cold familiar stranger Makes himself at home once more Yeah! comes in and produces, and Timmy's great, man, you know? I like the record. I think it's a good record. You know? It is. Yeah, it's a good one. Okay. And the, and the people in Europe, like, I've been doing shows and stuff, and they know they know every fucking song. It's unbelievable. It's crazy. Really? On that album? And on that record, yes. Oh, yes. good for you. Okay, okay. So, yeah. um, well, that's cool. Okay, so now, were there original Iron Butterfly members that played with you, or were you all sort of a hodgepodge of hired we being called Iron Butterfly. I was hired. Derek Hillen was hired. The guitar player was in a version, and the okay. bass player was the, was the original, Lee okay. Dorman. Okay. okay. Okay? And, you know, yeah, yeah. It was pretty, okay. pretty wild. Okay. Pretty, pretty funny stuff, you know? Um, okay, so now, but I mean, it's... So one of the things we talk about on here is how people pay their bills, as I mentioned earlier, right? So you're, I mean, you're essentially still kind of a struggling musician in some ways. I mean, you you, you put out some albums, right? Okay, Um, so you're not rich and you're not, how do you eventually 
does there come a time when you when you can't make a living as doing music anymore, or do you find but, ways to do that? How do you pay your bills? Well, if we're talking about at that point, or if we're talking yeah. about today. Well, you know, at that point at, first, and then today. Okay, at that point, I am I'm driving limousines. I'm I, oh. I, I'm, oh. I'm in sales. I'm doing stuff, and these jobs are lasting like literally. <laughs> I I am. My le- I'm driving a stretch limousine. I'm going into the a Grammy party and hanging out with with Tommy Mottola because I know Tommy. No way. And, no yeah, way. And I'm, dri- and I'm driving. Get you know who I'm driving? I'm driving. Uh, oh, who's that rap band? We get pulled over. They got guns in the car. It's it, it's like it's NWA. Okay. Yeah. No, it wasn't. I mean, uh, Oh, I'm trying to think. It wasn't NWA. It was it was a guy band, white white punkers. They were white rappers. Uh, oh God, um, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm forgetting. That's Can't okay. Remember. That's okay. All right, Crazy so, though. So you're driving people to the Grammys, having I'm been, driving to the Grammys. Yep. been a recording artist just a few years earlier. Wow. Yeah, and and, and go into the party and talking to people, Talk, talking to people I know, right? Yeah. Wow. And, and uh, so I'm in, in there. I'm doing that. I'm trying to, you know, I'm, I, you know, I'm in an apartment, man. I'm getting by. Yeah. You know what I mean? Okay. I'm playing blues in a club. You know, I'm just doing whatever I can to get by. Okay. You know, and and um, you know, things sort of change. I start to get a, a real interest in engineering. Okay, because okay, you know, I'm I'm, I'm not I'm still writing. You know what I mean? Why I'm mm-hmm. still writing, I have no idea, but I'm still writing. Well, you can't and, stop um, it. That's what an artist is. I can't, I can't stop. You know? Right. And I'm, yeah. and I'm writing. So my last client, I have Chevy Chase in my limousine, right? Oh, wow. And he fucking stiffs me. After waiting all morning for him oh, and no cheating him like fucking gold, he fucking stiffs me. Coming home, I get in an accident. The airbags exploded to this thing. They t- I'm on the 405. They tell me I'm f- I'm fired, and oh. literally like a week later, Barbara Orbison calls me and says, "Do you want to, do you want to be a writer for my publishing company? I'm I'm opening up, and I'm a friend of Roy's, you know. And Roy is yeah. passed on, and she's no still, I'm still working for the man. I go absolutely. Yeah. I have a job at working for for the man. And now I'm in Nashville every three weeks writing songs. Wow. <laughs> wow. From being fired in a limo wreck to going to Nashville to write songs. Going oh, to Nashville crazy. to write songs. Well, it is crazy because you know, I'm writing with people like Liz Hangerbrook. I'm writing for people, you know. But, of course, I'm not getting any cuts at all. You know, none. Yeah. You know? But, yeah. but I'm learning my chops, you know. Yeah. And I'm writing songs, and I'm getting paid, you know, yeah. and I'm not driving, yeah. and I'm not doing stupid shit, you know, and I'm sober, yeah. and, right. and, you know, so that lasted a couple of years, you know, okay. and Barbara, right. then Barbara wanted all my publishing, and I said no, but, uh-huh. you know, and, you know, and uh, so we kind of fell out, and I stayed here, and then I started putting together a studio in my house, you know, and engineering, oh. Okay. And doing stuff like that, and I started to get decent engineering jobs, you know. And okay. I started, okay. to, and I and I started doing records, you know, had a couple of clients, 
and, and that's what I got today. I'm, I'm in the process right now. I'm enlarging my studio. It's a 600 square feet. And uh, I still, I produce kids, you know, coming out of the Musicians Institute. I, I do that. You know, I wrote a musical last summer. We were on Melrose for three months, and, you know, we made wow. some money off of that. And, Good. Good. Uh, you know, so, and, and now, I mean, yeah, I got, I got, there, was, there had to have been years. I mean, I don't know that Rocky Four. I mean, somewhere in the world right now, Rocky Four is on television. So Absolutely. You, I, I have a mild obsession with people who have uh, soundtrack songs on movies I grew up on. In fact, that's why I wanted to talk to you now because we, we're putting out a, sort of a series of people who did that. And I always find that part really interesting. I mean, you can be as specific or vague as you want. I imagine you make pretty decent mailbox money off of Rocky IV considering that it's playing almost on a loop all the time. You know what? You do okay. It's not horrible, but it ain't great enough to, like, you know, I have to do other things. You know what I mean? Okay, that's what I want to know. Okay. You do, and and here's why. I mean, go look at my YouTube views, okay? Go Mm -hmm. look. It's in the millions. Do you think I make much money off of that? No. You don't. You really don't. And that's how people are listening to their music now. I mean, this this is like a uh, this is uh, a friend of mine is doing a documentary on this right now. Your royalty statement, you know, is your royalty statement. It's like I have Apple Music, don't you? Do you have Apple yeah. Music? I have Spotify. Yeah. How Same do thing. I get paid? How do I get fucking paid off of that? You yeah. tell me. Do you know? I don't. No. And if you do you get don't. paid, you get paid pennies. You know. Now yeah. I'm not saying I don't make anything off of Rocky IV. I absolutely. I absolutely have made some good money off of it. Not it's, enough to live off of. You couldn't just it's, do nothing but collect Rocky Four money the rest of your life and live comfortably. No, no way. No way. Oh, interesting. No that shocks yeah. me. i got to be honest. That really shocks me, considering well, that it's playing, being played so often. If it was a more yeah, obscure movie, I would it. understand. But, but, but you don't get... Look, I'm not, look, it's not horrible. Believe me, it's, not, it's better than a stick in the gun. Of and, course. you know, I have Into the Night, and I wrote La Bellage for Pat Benatar, and, sure you know, does. and I've had some songs on TV, and I've had some songs in other movies, you know, Restless World, yeah, and Cobra, um, yeah. Yeah, Cobra, you know, Angel of the City. Another hot day in the city Sweat pouring down, no Working your fingers to the bone Trying to get blood from a stone Whipping cracks just like thunder Some survivor more scorned Yeah. 
you know, yeah. we, oh my God, I went to Europe and didn't play that. They were like furious at me, you know. Really? <laughs> oh yeah, they went nuts. They went nuts. So oh, wow. it's it's kind of been like a resurgence for me. People want me to perform again. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's it you know I I wish I could get out there more, but there's you know I'm I'm in the process of trying to find agents and keep going. But I got like five kids, three grandchildren, a no studio, way. a puppy, a wife. Wow. You know what I mean? It's like I got to keep this boat going. Of course, that's why I call it the hustle because that's what you got to do. Okay, interesting. Huh. Now, when did you, so was it when you joined Twitter that you when did you notice that you had sort of gone you it's come around now and you yeah. are a pop culture figure. You're not the like guy who had a song in that movie anymore who maybe didn't have much of a career. Now you're a thing. I mean, maybe not everyone knows your name, but everyone knows that song, everyone knows that's the greatest movie montage in history. Every, I mean, oh, you're, so, you're a pop. You. Well, it's true. You're a pop culture icon now. At this point, it's come full circle. When did you start noticing that happen? I got to tell you, when, when I was on Twitter and people started going, "Oh, the legend Robert Tepper," and I, had, yeah. I didn't think of myself that way, bro. You know what I mean? I, yeah. I was a hard, I was someone who knew how to rock and knew how to sing, and you know, was a drug addict and a drunk. You know. And and had to get and had to come through all that, and now at sixty six, I mean, I'm still, I mean, we put on a great show last Saturday. We were like, right. you know, it's high energy. It's I'm still moving really good. I play tennis right. like every day, you know. Right. I'm, I'm healthy as fucking could be today, good. you know. But but I had no idea until I started really seeing the tweets, and then some guy contacts me from from Spain, this guy, Indigo Balboa, and says, man, would you come here and do some shows? And I said, absolutely. Are you kidding? Wow. And he wow. Together, I have a band in Europe. I got a band here, but not enough gigs. Ah. <laughs> uh, wow. Yeah. Okay. You know? So that's but the thing. Still, yeah. I mean, it's an icon to you, and it's an icon to people, but it's business to everybody else. You know what I mean? It's like... Yeah. Is he yeah. going to draw? Is he going to get people in here? I know. You know, I mean, it's it's so crazy. The music business today is so insane, man. It yeah, is like, you know, who knows, you know? Nobody knows but, what to you know, do. I'm, yeah, yeah, but I, I, I released, uh, I don't know if you listened to any of the, uh, <clears throat> any of my acoustic record, you know. I did, acoustic New Life record. Story. Yeah. I've, got, I've got all your stuff, just so you know. I've got all of them. Uh, thank you. Yes, I've heard New Life Story. I know is something that you never see Creeps up on you Takes you over quietly There's a chill in you Is this the way it's supposed to be? You've got the world in your pocket And it looks like you're ready to go And I got another record like that, like almost done. And I oh, want really? to, uh, okay. yeah. And I want, and I want to do like a more, and I want to do like a more a heavier record. And I'm working on that, you know. 
Yeah. Because good. I'm, you know, I'm still going, man. I'm still loving what I'm doing. Good. And you know, you know, uh, will it ever be the success it was? You don't know. You really yeah. do not know. You know, you well, don't know. Probably not. But yeah. maybe, you know. I have to. I I have to think. If I were smarter about this, or was in the, you, I think are in a unique, very unique situation where I, you probably know this, maybe a business manager would tell you this, but I think you're in a unique op, unique situation to really um, push and kind of promote the fact that you are who you are in this day and age. I'll give you an example. I uh, Last year on the show, um, I had a guy named Gerard McMahon on. I don't know if you know who he is. Uh, he's done a lot of, he, he does a ton of movie and music and TV music and stuff, but he had a song on the Lost Boys soundtrack, that movie, The Lost okay. Boys. And okay. it's a really iconic song. It's still iconic today. And he goes around and does, like, he, um, you know, some movie theater somewhere will make it a Lost Boys night, and they'll do a special screening of the movie, and they'll hire him to come do a show, and maybe one of the actors in the movie will show up too. And he does wow. this. He makes good money doing that, you know. I don't know, once a month, once twice a month throughout the year, on top of all the other things he does. And you I just gave me a great idea, man. This is great. I should see if there's any Rocky Festival. See if I can get exactly. off my Exactly. If there wasn't, I would think that would be an easy thing to create. Because yes. think about, I mean, you and, and Joe Esposito, who wrote uh, um yes, yeah, he was a music supervisor, Joe Esposito. Yeah, and I'm sure he, I've had him on this show. I love him. And John right. Cafferty and, John. Uh, you know, the Survivor guys that are still left, unfortunately. Yes. So many of them passed yes. away. Yeah, he, yes. But you, you do some, you know, it's the 30th anniversary, I believe. You do some show at, in L.A. and you have you guys all come up and play your favorite Sylvester Stallone songs. And then there's a... Screening of the movie and everyone makes a little money and keeps the name alive. That is like I'm a real brainer to me. I'm telling you, Vegas. Fuck LA. Let's do it in Vegas. I think that would be fun. Vegas, Vegas. exactly. Yes. People, See, um, something like that. Great idea. I think that is yeah. a great idea. That would be so cool. We come in and we do Asian. We we show Cobra. You show Cobra. You do the right. show the Cobra. Exactly. You fucking come out. You do Angel City and. and I do into the night, into the city, and no easy way out. People would love it, you know. They would. would I awesome. know. It's and there's, awesome. you know, who knows? Dolph Lundgren. What has he got better to do? He could show you know up what? thing. My, you know? my friend, I'm in L.A., right? I got movie star friends and, you know, people I know who are in the business. And, and, and he just was in a movie. My friend owns a trailer company, and he cut a trailer for a movie he was in. He said Dolph was the nicest guy. He said he was awesome. He came up to heard. see the trailer and everything, so he's still around, yeah. man. He's still yeah. doing it. Yep. A friend of mine used to be his personal assistant, and she would say he came on to her all the time, but she was saying what a nice guy he was, <laughs> and that he was you know. <laughs> so, yeah. Anyway, I've heard good things about him, actually. Really good. That things. is so cool. Cool. Well, look, you know, this, was, this was pretty much everything. Yeah. You're Thank awesome. you Thanks. so Shall much. Uh, I'm glad you. I don't. I don't know how often you get to hear this, but you have brought hours of joy to my life by being you and by being the artist that you are and doing the things that you've done in your life. I think you're the greatest. And so thank oh, you thank so you. 
much for talking to me. I really love uh, you a lot. I'm so grateful. Oh, man, you're awesome. You are awesome, man. And thank you. You're very giving. There you have it, Robert Tepper. He he mentioned very briefly, quickly there near the end, that he wrote a song for Pat Benatar called La Belle Age. And I wanted to play it here. It's a great song, and we didn't really get into it, but I wanted you to know that this this was a moderate hit for her, but it's a great tune, and he wrote it. So I wanted to make sure that it got showcased. Isn't he a great guy? i got to say, of all the people that I've talked to for this show, him more than most, I think there is money being left on the table. I feel like his name needs to be married to that movie and that song more concretely in the eyes of the public that song is so beloved the movie is so beloved there needs to be a greater tie a stronger tie between him and that 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 brings him to the fore i it seems very obvious to me i don't know it's probably none of my business i should just shut up anyway i hope you've enjoyed this string of movie soundtrack guests i think we've had some really good ones the next few weeks we're going to go primarily to the 70s it's a little bit of disco, it's a lot of punk and post-punk, so I hope if you like that you'll come back and join us. Also, as I always say, go into iTunes, write us a review, give us some stars, I don't care if it's good or bad, but I'd, I'd love the review, and please subscribe to the podcast. The last 50 episodes are on there. Anything beyond that, you have to go to the website at thehustle.podbean.com. Or you can like our page on Facebook and stay in communication with us that way. You can send me a message if there's a band or an artist that you love, like Robert, that you hadn't heard from for a long time, that you would like me to try and track down and talk to, let me know who it is. You can also send me an email at thehustlepod at gmail.com, and you can find us on Twitter, which I admit I don't do very much because I don't really know how, at thehustlepod on Twitter, at thehustlepod. And huge thanks, as always, to Yan, the man Makiewicz, for putting everything together. Thank you, Yan. All right, guys, we will see you next week, next Tuesday. New episodes every Tuesday. Thanks, everyone. Nothing can stop.